This is Hawaii's New Ice Age, Crystal Meth in the Islands, Episode 4, Who's Got a Better Idea? I'm Bill Dorman with Hawaii Public Radio. When you look for ways forward in Hawaii's meth crisis, you can start by looking for something that works. Good morning. Good morning, Welcome to the Hawaii Drug Court. A Monday morning in Honolulu, the Honorable Edward Kubo presiding. He's definitely a judge, but also a bit of a counselor and a coach. Debbie! Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing great. Have you been taking your medications and everything? Yes, Going to meetings? Yes, ma'am. Very good. No stress this week? Um, well, fine, but I know it's not my problem, so uh, I, I just let it go. Okay, don't forget, we're always here to help now. Yeah. Nonviolent substance abusers who go through drug court can avoid prison with a program involving supervised treatment, work, and a disciplined schedule, along with regular drug testing. Breaking rules leads to penalties, including brief stays in detention. Here, the program lasts two years. Each morning, participants call a hotline number to hear a recorded message. The message might be, those of you on color red come in for uh, a urine test uh, today by 12 o'clock. And so they come in at that time. Those of you who are on color green, please check in with your probation officer by the end of the day. And so it's a continuing flow, and it teaches them not to just be independent outside, but that they, they're accountable for something, and they have to follow uh, certain rules that's expected of them. The first drug court in the country was set up in Florida in 1989, mostly dealing with crack cocaine. Today, there are more than 2,700 drug courts across the country in every state and U.S. territory. Hawaii's first started in 1995, and Judge Kubo's been running it for the past six years. Today, he estimates 85% of those in the program have problems with crystal meth. There's been a sea change where now we we work with them because we understand that addiction is a disease that cannot be get you cannot get rid of it overnight. And so you have to continuously work with them because it's going to be ebb and flow. Nobody's perfect. Every so often they're gonna they're gonna stumble and fall, and it's for us to help them get up after a period of of, of sanctions, get them back on their feet dust them off, continue to focus them on, on moving forward so that they can stay clean and sober. Studies show drug courts have a successful record, reducing recidivism while saving taxpayer money, both nationally and in Hawaii. But success has also brought challenges. The local ones start with capacity. There's a waiting list for drug court, and even for participants who make progress, there's often more waiting for space in treatment facilities. In the courtroom, Judge Kubo asks about bed space in a facility on Sand Island four months after the defendant had been approved to go there. What is the status of Sand Island? I know that Sand Island had um, uh, accepted the defendant in October and we were, we were waiting for bed space there too. Back in his chambers, Judge Kubo wraps his desk in frustration. If a person says, I, I, I need treatment, I want treatment, if I can get into treatment right now, you got my full commitment. Nine months later, will that person still be saying the same thing? No. And the only reason why it's a nine-month wait is because 
Sand Island is overwhelmed. That sense of being overwhelmed is even worse on neighbor islands. Drug court came to Hawaii Island in 2002, and today it's hard to find room in treatment facilities. Mitch Roth is the prosecuting attorney for Hawaii County. I don't think that we have a real inpatient treatment facility on island. We send people off to Oahu, to Sand Island, to Habilitat. I think access has a you know, little bit on this island, but really not the kind. I've actually been to drug treatment facilities on the mainland. They're real serious about what they do. You go 60, 90 days, and then when, once you get out of one of those programs on the mainland, you go into kind of a halfway house and a support system. I don't see us having anything really like that on island. And I think in the state, it's those programs are pretty filled up. It's not just drug court. A lack of affordable treatment for meth addiction is a challenge for anyone seeking help. That's a consistent view shared by anyone who deals with this issue, including law enforcement officials. Gary Yabuda was chief of police on Maui for five years and now heads the statewide Hawaii high-intensity drug trafficking area. We need more treatment. Do you know where to go to treatment if you had a drug problem? You know, unfortunately, I don't. But we need treatment where you can go to a treatment center that you can afford just as, as if you went to Walmart to buy a pack of gum. The programs that do exist vary in approach, length, cost, and insurance coverage. And then there's the question of even qualifying for help in the first place. Alan Johnson runs the Hinamalka Recovery Center on the windward side of Oahu, where they count their annual clients in the thousands. We treat 2,000 people. We have a large number of people, almost that many people, who come to us and say, hey, uh, I'd like to slow down. Can you help me? And um, we say we can't. We, we go, you don't have a medical necessity. No one will pay for that. The state won't pay. The insurance company won't pay. There's nothing we can do about it. And they go, where would we go? And we go, there is nowhere to go. And so the message is, go out, get sicker, and then when you're really sick, come back and it will help. On their way to getting sicker, some people wind up in hospital emergency rooms. Treatment bills wind up with taxpayers and those who pay insurance premiums. Here's a breakdown from Dr. Daniel Chang, emergency room physician at the Queens Medical Center on Oahu. Let's take an example of a methamphetamine abuser, right, who ends up taking a large dose, develops sudden cardiac, sudden chest pain. They call an ambulance. $1,000, there you go. And uh, they show up to the emergency room, and they found to have a heart attack, okay? They will receive emergency care that's going to roughly total around maybe another $1,000, roughly, about close to 2000 so we're at $3,000. So he's going to get whisked away with the cardiologist, the heart specialist. He's going to have a procedure done to save his heart. Now we're about, about 5000 10000 addition. And he's going to have about a one- or two-day stay in the intensive year care unit, cardiac intensive care unit recovering at about 10000 a day, roughly. He'll go home after about three days. We've racked up close to about $35,000. We'll say roughly $35,000. This individual, more often than not, will not be able to pay this bill. It will go into default, and nothing will be collected or a nominal charge. Assuming this person's on Quest, it's the state-issued uh, health insurance plan, he will not be able to pay for any of it. The state will pay for some of it, but at a much discounted rate to the hospital. So... What happens then? 
So the cost will get passed on to the hospital. The hospital will pass this cost along to other insurance carriers, and the insurance carriers will pass it along to those who pay for insurance. And the state will have to pay for that part of the Quest cost. And where does the state get this money from? From the taxpayers of Hawaii. Another place users often wind up, jail or prison, again at a high price to taxpayers. Under current law, a person smoking a single hit of crystal methamphetamine could face two Class C felonies. That's the least serious type of felony in Hawaii, but each count is punishable by up to five years imprisonment and a fine of up to $10,000. Judge Stephen Alm. The average case is a tiny bit of meth. It's often in a pipe. And so they're charged with promoting a dangerous drug in the third degree, and that's usually possession of it, as well as drug paraphernalia, and that's usually the pipe. Apart from the human cost of that incarceration, there's another cost to the state. Carl Berquist, executive director of the Drug Policy Forum, says 170 people are currently behind bars in Hawaii for violating that paraphernalia law. Incarcerating these people for that particular offense cost the state $20 million dollars. Over the term, so about those 170 people for two and a half years, like you average it out and it's around $20 million. I mean, that is money that could go better towards treatment. Many in the treatment community are also urging reforms to the medical system when it comes to crystal meth long before a user reaches the emergency room. The idea is to start with the primary care physician and integrate medical care into an honest and realistic view of a patient's life, including drug use. Here's Alan Johnson again of Hinamalka. What would be really helpful is if we can take primary care, our doctors, and say, hey, you know, you, why don't, can't you deal with mild to moderate conditions of, of abusing drugs? And, but you need to be educated and you need to understand addiction better, and you need to have, and there are tools today that weren't in existence, you know, years ago, but there are tools today of how do you ask questions, how what's motivational, what isn't motivational. You can't just say, do you use, don't do it. You know, there are certain types of questions you use. And then they can manage it long term, too, so that if you are heavily abusing, you can get treatment, but then you come back to the doctor who manages you the rest of your life. You know, how's it going? An increased role for primary care doctors would be welcomed by emergency room physicians. Dr. Daniel Chang says it would also require a change in the economics of health care. They're disincentivized to address this because the way we pay primary care providers is not to talk about drug abuse. It's just to hurry them in, shuttle them in. Hey, what's your hypertension? What are you doing? Did you get your shots? Did you get your vaccine? You're all good? Okay, you're good? Okay, see you next month. See you next year. That's your primary care visit for most part in your 20s and 30s. And that's what people are talking about here, right? Putting it on the radar of our primary care doctors. Uh, it's already, it's, I mean, their plates are so full. But I think specifically here in Hawaii, taking away that stick, but making it something okay to talk about. We've come a long way, for example, for STI, sexually transmitted infections. I think we've come a long way. We've done a pretty good job of destigmatizing HIV, and we can test for it. We can find it. Same idea. We need to destigmatize methamphetamine use. discussions about crystal methamphetamine also involve a realistic assessment of what's required to deal with addiction and recovery and healing. 
Beyond the need for more treatment programs and a refocused medical and legal approach, there's also a need for employers who will give another chance to those who have had drug convictions. As for the individuals who wrestle with crystal meth and try to stop, playwright Hannah E.E. E. Epstein speaks of a shared experience in personal accountability with an unforgiving drug. The most common thing I hear for people who decide to quit, to decide to like let it go, is they look themselves in the mirror or they catch a glimpse of themselves mm -hmm. and they don't recognize that person. And that's the biggest thing I've heard from people. That's my experience yeah. that you, you had said that. Yeah. It's just you, you find you've lost yourself. And that's what this drug really does. It takes you away from who you are and everything you know. Georgiana DaCosta of The Meth Project. This drug has no place in our island, um, no place in our state, no, no place in our culture. It really is, has no aloha. It really doesn't. Meth has no aloha. Back in drug court, Judge Kubo continues to see new defendants on a regular basis. And he sees a grim future if we can't make enough room in the state for crystal meth users who want treatment. We're going to get into trouble because the flow is continuous. And if the flow is continuous and you have a bottleneck, you're creating a crisis area down the road. Primary reporting for this project was done by Noe Tanigawa and Molly Solomon of Hawaii Public Radio. Further reporting was done by Wayne Yoshioka of Hawaii Public Radio and Nick Ruby and Eric Pape of Honolulu Civil Beat. Dave Lawrence of Hawaii Public Radio did the audio editing, and HPR's Jason Taglianetti and Nick Yee did further technical work. Thanks also to Patty Epler and Bob Ortega of Honolulu Civil Beat and everyone who spoke with us on microphone and off. I'm Bill Dorman, the writer and executive producer. Hawaii's new Ice Age, Crystal Meth in the Islands, was produced by Hawaii Public Radio with help from Honolulu Civil Beat. Find out more at hawaiipublicradio.org and civilbeat.com.